So today, this Sunday, we are now in the second message in a series of messages that are titled Foolish Faith. And they're taken from Paul's words right out of 1 Corinthians that we looked at last week. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 118. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that's the message that is foolish for us, that Christ is crucified. I mean, here in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of messages that are out there all over the place, but you probably don't see Christ crucified a lot out there. And within the church and within the Christian fellowship, to preach Christ crucified and to live our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ as the one who is our Lord and our Savior in whom everything that we need is found in him, and that message is Christ crucified, that's a foolish message. That's a foolish message for a culture that really worships power or influence or wisdom. Those are the same things that the first and second century communities worshiped, especially in the city of Corinth when the apostle Paul wrote to those early Christians. The Jews were looking for someone that would come in power, a Messiah who would deliver them politically, who would deliver them socially, who would deliver them economically from the oppressive government of the Roman Empire. So the Romans were there covering all of the region, and the Jewish people were under that oppression. They were looking for a Messiah, a Jesus Christ of power. And that's why Jesus, who was crucified, died on the cross, is a stumbling block to the Jews because they were looking for a savior who would come in political power. And Jesus came and he died on the cross. So he was a stumbling block for the Jews. But also he was foolishness to the wisdom of the Gentiles, wisdom to the Greeks, because Jesus proclaimed a way of humble service which was not what you did. That was not very wise. You didn't want to be a servant or humble in the first and second century. You wanted to use your wisdom to influence people, to exercise power. But that was foolishness, what Jesus said, to be a servant, to be humble. So that was foolishness to all of them. It's our church calling that's actually wrapped up in all of this foolishness. You know, I'm going to just pause real quick. I think there's a band practice going on here. Yes, I think we can hear that. So just know that I I know that that's going on too. It's kind of funny. But anyway, um, that's what's going on now. Maybe they'll punctuate the message every once in a while with a big (laughs) trumpet blast. What I also hit last week was that our calling, our hope as a church, is to dive into this message of Christ crucified with these, simple, uh, with these simple phrases. It's three phrases of three words each. And that is to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. To lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. That's the message of Christ crucified. And there's a foolishness to try to call people to this in the midst of Silicon Valley when so many people are pursuing so many other things. People are pursuing things like career. People are pursuing things like position. I want to work at a really, really nice company. I want to pad my resume. 
I want to get a house. I want to find this, that, or the other in relationship. And we're like, yeah, all those things are all these things that the world values. All these things are, have their roots in power. All these things look wise. But our calling as followers of Jesus Christ is to a different message. And that message is in our lives and in our words and in our actions is to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this set of phrases actually asks of us a much larger question, a much more personal question. And that's this. Do I have an authentic faith? Do you? Do you have an authentic faith? It's a really kind of a compelling question. Do we as a church have authentic faith in Jesus Christ? Or do we just kind of gather on Sunday and we gather midweek in, in different groups? But when we really look at it, are we just kind of playing around at church? We're just kind of playing. I mean, I'm sure you're this way. I'm this way. I've talked to a lot of people at GRX, right? We're busy people. We have a lot of things going on in our lives. And we don't really have any interest in sort of playing around, sort of presenting things on Sunday or presenting things midweek to your life group and then going about the rest of life. Like, we are a community that's interested in really drilling down into what does it really mean to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ? What does it really mean to have faith? Not without pretense, not with pretense, and not with posturing, not with trying to present a particular way that we live our lives, but in a real way, in authentic faith, in authentic faith that can incorporate all of our joys, but then also all of our doubts, all of the things that we love, and then all of the things that are kind of dark in our lives that aren't so great to look at. That we can be true with each other and that we can be true before God and that we can be true with ourselves. This next month, we're going to be doing our month of prayer. And February, every year, we take a month as a church to really focus on praying. And the goals are really simple, that everyone, every day, would be praying through the month of February. And the theme for this year is how we really pray. The prayer month, how we really pray. Don't pray in a way that you think you need to pray. Pray in the way that you do, how you really pray how you really talk to God. Not in performance or not in pretense, but how you really pray. Something I'm really excited about, which we'll be, um, we're putting together right now, it's for all of you, is we're going to put, put together a prayer journal. And I've asked our leadership team to write down how they really pray. Not how they're praying like in a performance or in front of people, but how do you really pray when you're praying for your kids? Or how do you really pray when you're driving on the freeway 
and somebody cuts in front of you? How do you really pray? How do you really pray when you're stressed and you have too much stuff to do at work or you have too much stuff to do at home and you're really up against it? How do you really pray? So our leadership team has written out prayers, how they really pray, and we're putting those together in a prayer journal, and that's going to go out for all of us for the prayer month in the month of February. Because our prayers, like our faith life, are not about performance. They're about being really authentic, about being really true. So what we're going to look at today is what the Apostle Paul does about his authentic faith and what he writes to the church in Corinth. And what you're going to see and what we're going to look at is that when Paul is engaging in authentic faith, what it frees him to do is it frees him to do three things. It frees him to tell the truth about who the Corinthian church is. It frees him to tell the truth about who he is. And then it frees him to tell the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Not in pretense, but in authenticity. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses, 16, uh, verses 26 through chapter 2, verse 5. It says this. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, not foolishness, but wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. That comes out of Jeremiah chapter 9. If you're going to boast, don't boast in wisdom. Don't boast in influence. Don't boast in power. Boast in the Lord. So he goes on to say, So it was with me. And this is now Paul talking about the truth about himself. Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The truth about the Corinthians, the truth about himself, and then the truth about Jesus Christ. We looked at the Corinthians a little bit last week and who they were and what kind of society they were. But Paul is not giving over to empty flattery with them. I mean, they as a city prided themselves on their wisdom, 
on their economic power, on their influence. And while some within the Corinthian community might have had influence, some of them might have had power, some of them might have been wise, I mean, they might have had a few people really schooled well in philosophy. I mean, we looked at last week, Sparta was to the south and Greek was to the north of Corinth. And so between those two great places of thought and philosophy, there might have been some in Corinth that were very wise. But not many of them were. Not many of them were wise. Not many of them were powerful. Not many of them were influential. A lot of them were just regular, ordinary folks. They were regular, ordinary folks. And it's an affirmation that God's work and God's power is not reserved for nor limited to just the folks that are influential, not just the folks that are powerful, not just those who are kind of out there that look like leaders that God works through and often chooses to work through just the folks who feel themselves like they're just the ordinary folks. I don't have a lot of influence. I don't have a lot of power. But are you just regular and ordinary human being? Because God wants to work through you where you are in the way that God was working through the people in Corinth. See, we don't want to mix up what the world says is important as what God says is important. See, the world will say, well, you, you want to get something done? You really need a charismatic person. You really need an influential person. You really need an articulate person, a really wise person. But God doesn't work that way. God wants to take the ordinary person, the faithful person, the authentic person, and work through them. God works through what the world might say is foolish, to bring about what he wants done. I mean, in Scripture, probably one of the most famous stories is the book of Exodus and the story of how Moses was used by God to pull the people out of slavery in Egypt and rescue his people, Israel. But Moses, yes, he did have a background and he was raised up in Egypt, but then for decades, Moses was hiding Moses was just working as a regular, run-of-the-mill, plain shepherd out in the land of Midian. He was just a regular shepherd. And then God said, hey, Moses, you're way out here just tending sheep. But I want to use you to bring you back to Egypt, to be my instrument, to save my people Israel. But Moses had a problem. Moses didn't feel like he was very eloquent. In fact, Moses had a stuttering problem. And he didn't want to go and he didn't want to be used by God. But God said, I want to use you. And I'll provide for you. And I'll help you. And it'll be my power working through you. Even though you stutter. I still want to use you. I still want to work through you. You know, sometimes I feel a little bit like that just as a preacher. When I used to start and when I used to uh, first give messages and sermons, I was so nervous. 
I was terrified to speak in front of people. And so I'd be sitting there next to Evelyn, and it'd be almost time, and the worship team would get finished, and I'd be getting more and more nervous. Like that last worship song before the message, I would hate that song. (laughs) Because I knew after that that I'd have to speak. And all of a sudden, right there, they kind of do the last chorus, and people are worshiping God, and I'm freaking out. My hands would get very cold, and my teeth would start chattering. And so I have to make sure the mic is off because of the teeth. It's like chattering. It's just terrifying. But thanks be to God, God frees us to tell the truth about ourselves. The Apostle Paul, he planted all these churches in the New Testament area. He wrote all these letters to the New Testament churches. We reread these letters. Incredible. But the Apostle Paul, this is what he says about himself that he came in weakness. He came in great fear and trembling. That's how he came to them. There's a second century tradition that actually describes the Apostle Paul. It actually describes him this way. It says that he was unattractive. It says even that he was ugly. He was not very tall. He had a bald head. He had a hooked nose. That's what these historians would say. That's what the Apostle Paul looked like. He just kind of rolled up into a town. He's kind of, you know, not a very attractive guy. He was physically pretty weak, bodily pretty weak. But he came to them, not in his own power, but he came to them in the power of God so that their faith wouldn't rest in human wisdom or human personality, but that their faith would rest on God. And that's what we're doing here at GRX. And that's what we're doing here as a church. See, when our faith is based on Jesus Christ, it's not based on a personality or presence or wisdom or influence or power, but on Jesus Christ. I mean, when I read this description of the Apostle Paul, I felt like, wow, I kind of get that. As I move into my late 40s here, I'm not very tall. My nose isn't so crooked. Actually, my nose is not very big. Um, but my hair, I'm beginning to, I'm losing a little bit of hair here. I'm wondering if my hair is falling out. But our hope is not in our leaders. Our hope is to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. We point people not to the great worship, the great kids program, not not the cool stuff that we're doing like the poker tourney. We point people to Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. So that if we have anything to boast about at all, anything personally that we have to boast about or anything within our community that we boast about, we boast about the Lord. We boast about what God is doing. Not so that we as a community are puffed up, but so that God is puffed up. So that we exalt our Lord and Savior. But what does that look like? What does it mean to boast about the Lord? What does it mean to boast about God? It means simply to tell the truth 
about who God is. Who is God in your life? In a real way. How has God provided for you? Particularly in the times of your life. Or maybe you felt like you were in a place of darkness. Where you felt like you weren't really a person of power. Or maybe you were trying to achieve something and you failed. Or maybe you were trying to exercise some influence in the world and it didn't come out that way. You have a time in your life where you were going after something else and God got a hold of you and said, hey, all that other stuff that you're pursuing, that's not really that important. What's important is you and my love for you and my forgiveness of you, my complete acceptance of you. That's the wisdom of God. That's what God is calling us to. And as we've been received by God, received by his love, provided for by his grace, then our calling then is to simply live for him. Live for him in an authentic and true way where you are. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you to have an authentic faith where you are? That's what you have to figure out. That's part of the adventure that you live with Jesus Christ. Let me give you two examples, and they're just different examples. One of those examples we already saw a little bit with Molly. Molly shared about her story of faith, coming to an authentic, true faith that was her own. And then she lives that out every day among us. She lives it out here among our church. She lives it out as she loves different people through women's ministry. She does some teaching Bible study with Bible Study Fellowship. She lives it out as a mom. She lives it out in her relationship with her husband, James. She's just being Molly, living for Jesus. Next week, we're going to get to hear from Nathan. Nathan's doing something really different than Molly. And it's equally authentic. And it's equally valuable. Next week, we're going to hear from Nathan and Priscilla. Nathan became a Christian also here among our GRX community. And now he's working over in Asia. And you'll hear about more of what he's doing next week. Both authentic, both real, both loved by Jesus, and both living out their faith in the way that they see God calling them. That's our hope here as a community, to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. And then as people live in an authentic faith in Jesus Christ, they also do this. They also lead other people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. It might look like foolishness, but that's what God calls us to do. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you just take regular folks and you build something incredible there. Thank you, God, that you can take us as people 
not powerful, not incredibly influential, sometimes wise, sometimes not wise, but God, you working in people are what is incredible. So God, I pray that you would work through us. I pray, God, that you would stir us as a people. I pray, God, that you would lead us in the ways that you want us to live our lives, that we might be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.